Today's deep dive is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now. Use code GOT20 and get 20% off all Game of Thrones items. What? That's right. GOT20 gets you 20% off all Game of Thrones items. They've got fabulous stuff over there at Cufflinks.com. And if you have an event coming up, a wedding, or something where everybody's getting dressed up, go to Cufflinks.com and they've got you covered. They'll take care of everybody. Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. I am Samarin Trant, Honorable Knight of the Kingsguard, and I wish to say hello to Sir W. Axel Foley of the DVR Podcast Network and the Podcast Winterfell. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. My name is Axel. You can find us at dvrpodcast.com, podcastwinterfell.com, and you can email us at podcastwinterfell at gmail.com. Today we're going to be talking about the most fantastic episode, longest episode in Game of Thrones history, Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. I'm here, of course, with my main man, my podcasting co-host and friend of over 10 years, Mr. Heath Snowlow, the bastard podcaster. That is me, Axel. And I'm still waiting to find out if I'm a Targaryen, but I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know, man. You might be. You might be. Ah, could be. Could be. I'm probably just still a bastard. But anyway, <laughs> happy to be here yet again to talk about this amazing episode. I thoroughly enjoyed. It was uh, it was awesome. I've watched it twice, and uh, wow, uh, just especially the second time. Uh, it was just we have a lot to talk about, but I just uh, I enjoy this episode a lot, man. Uh, yeah, it was it, what I needed. It was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed it too. I do just want to give a super big thanks to Grandpa James, our main man, patron. Super long-time listener gave us a great review on iTunes. My sister gave us a review on iTunes. Oh, uh, that finally. Thanks for the iTunes reviews. Uh, so I want to thank them. I also want to thank everyone who participated in our roundtable. Now, you might be asking, hey, where was the fan call-in slash roundtable? It's not on the feed. That's because you got to go to YouTube to watch it. Go to our uh, YouTube at Podcast Winterfell, YouTube.com. You know the rest. Subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. And I'll put it on the feed later, but I want to try to... It's a marketing thing. I learned this. I read it in a, on a blog. Uh, hold it, and then you got to go to YouTube. Sorry, I don't mean to be mean, but we do want to try to get the YouTube up. So that's all I have to say, and thanks to patrons and everyone else. We love you. Um, all right. Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night, Game of Thrones, the longest episode ever, Solo... To me, this was an episode of moments. There was so much action. I hear Brienne screaming, oh, when she's getting taken down. I see oh. Arya flipping around. What, what, what are some of the things that stuck with you, man? Wow. Um, well, first off, like when you talk about Brienne, you know when she's on the front lines and she gives a scream? Yes. That was just, I don't know why that's sticking in my oh. head. I just love that. Like, it was just so, I'm not going to say it's not Brienne, but we never really saw something like that from her. And it just, it gave me so much emotion. Oh, you know when, 
You know oh. when she did see you know when she did make that scream uh solo and I remembered it was oh. when Locke and the Lan- and the uh, bolting guys were going to rape her and Jamie stopped oh, them. Okay. She gave that same scream where she was just like I am going to fight this with ev- like I'm giving my last it's what acting man. Ooh. Well, I'm just a dope, and so if you want to leave an iTunes review saying I didn't remember when Brienne screamed um, that way, you can go ahead. But yeah, no, I, God, there's so much that stuck with me. Um, I, You know, one of the things, Axel, uh, I mean, there's so many great moments. Like, I love Arya with the spear taking people out. That was so rewarding, and I'm thinking back to the, the water dance. Mm-hmm. When she was getting trained, like, and how far she's come. And if you don't think she earned killing the Night King, look at her journey, okay? And one of the things, the thing that stuck with me was when they they, they won. They lost some people, but they won, was think about this whole show and how many times the Starks and people we root for got screwed over and how many and how much crap they've been through. And how much, oh my God, is this ever going to get better? Now we finally get a victory. And it's done in such an amazing way. Like, I wanted that. I needed that. Arya is my hero. And I loved it. It made the episode, me and Lady Solo were cheering. And we didn't expect it. And that shot of Arya, like when you see the Night King trying to go for his knife. And then Arya's jumping in front. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, oh my God. So, but the one thing, Axel, is, and we talked about this, I was prepared for so much death that throughout the episode, I'm like, is Tyrion Sansa going to die here? Is Brienne going to die here? And, and I admit, and it's funny how the, <laughs> Tyrion around the fireplace is like, maybe, I think we're all going to survive, or maybe we'll all survive. And turns out everyone in that round table, podcast near the fireplace did survive but i was expecting a lot more death i was expecting a lot more death yeah (laughs) they did such a masterful job of making you think there was going to be all that death because of that long slow build up where you just see all the forces mounting sam's hands are shaking it's so it's just by the time the dothraki went with those flaming swords into the clouds, you know, into the snow-covered whatever that is, um, mm-hmm. I was so nervous. I I just thought, I was thinking anything could happen. I was thinking that it could just be like a thousand giants were going to come and just destroy Winterfell in like five minutes. You know, they they had built up so much dread and the fact that you couldn't see if somebody was dying just added to you know what i mean like you <laughs> see pod doing this and then you'd see someone else get their head cut off and you're like wait a second was that pod you know yeah, yeah. it it they did such a masterful job and in rewatching it what had appeared to be such a frenzy that i after i first watched it i was like how are we like Roberto and I talked a lot about the results of it and everything. Cause I was saying to myself, like, 
it, and even now as we're on the podcast, it's a little, it's not a great episode to podcast on because so much of it is visceral, emotional action of you watching that the real plot elements come out in only like the last five minutes or something, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, you have a couple people die. But then when I rewatched it, I noticed that how steadily they build up from getting ready. Melisandre arrives. They like, you know, she does her magic. They lose to Dothraki. And then level by level, they're decimated until it comes all the way back into the castle, all the way back behind the castle, all the way back to the where... It's just a sl- it's a slow and steady decimation of Winterfell, and it really is plotted out so intricately. I was just really the rewatch left me m- even more stunned because the way that they were able to communicate such a controlled chaos, you know, it was. Yeah crazy and when you get to that point when Arya's in the library and she's walking around you realize holy crap there's just freaking zombies walking all over the castle now yeah you know it's funny because <laughs> when Melisandre comes up and lights the uh the Dothraki uh knife uh swords it was almost like the Dothraki like well uh I guess we're charging now okay <laughs> but okay and I have to say one thing about people complaining that they didn't have a good battle strategy (laughs) and like, oh, they should have done this and shouldn't have charged and should have waited and all this because, you know, we're all experts on, you know, battle plans. You're going up against whites who are zombies that you've never seen before. White walkers, most of them have never seen before. We don't quite know what the hell is going on. John did say... If we kill the Night King, we can end this all. That's the best intel they have. So think think of that. And if you're there and, and, and leading, I mean, you're going up against something you don't know. So, yeah, you're charged thinking we can, hopefully we can take them out, but we don't know. They don't know what they're up against. They can get some information. We got to kill the Night King, these people. But not everyone knows that. You know, yes. the the Night King can raise everyone and all this stuff. And so I'm like, that's what I would have done. I would have sent out a try. I mean, I wouldn't have just waited and then get overrun. Then I think they would have been screwed. You're dealing with basically almost like insects. They're just going to crawl all over and get everywhere. And you saw one of the coolest shots to me was that that um, Brienne and Jamie get a, get bowled over and the camera looks sideways down and you see Tormund and he's just watching it because the line is yeah. even and it hasn't hit them yet. And then as right. he, and then it, and then it does a reverse shot and you see his point of view and you see a wave of zombies like all climbing on top of each other, creating a wave that's cresting over onto the wildlings that Tormund is next to. And then that's when I was like, okay, I, ca- I called one thing right 
which is that they never had a chance. They never, and they may have had a chance if da- of Danny going back and doing, you know, which also, why does it take like 30 minutes for the dragon to turn? You know what I mean? It's like, come up with like a better formation, Danny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, once the, once the night King brought the elements of nature into it, it was over. Yeah. And you know, I didn't realize cause the night King wasn't there yet. I was afraid the Dothraki were going to come back right away as whites. And I'm like, they're screwed, but I guess yes. he hadn't been there and he has to raise them. So, but that was in my head. Hard home was in my head, but I realized, oh, okay. I thought he was maybe there going to raise them. And then the Dothraki come back. And it's like, wait a minute, our army that we just sent out is coming back to fight us. That's what I was worried about. Mm, um, yeah. That's a but great But I realized, point. yeah, that's well, that's what I, I was afraid. But then I realized, okay, it hasn't happened yet. Um, well, even like the Hound, where he's like, you can't beat death. I mean, the fire at first made him nuts. And then he was just absolutely, you know, I love when Beric's like, Clegane, we need you. Clegane. Yeah. And, 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 and he's like, we're done. And I, at first I'm like, God, what a coward. But at the same time, it's like, dude, he's a human and yeah. he's seeing these dead come at you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be it just the, the, the strongest, most brave men get freaked out sometimes. And it, so I was just like, and then Sam, at first I was like, oh, Sam, you know, you shouldn't be out there. But you know what? I don't blame Sam for being freaking freaked out. Yeah. And he's not a fighter. And he's given it his all. He wants to be there. And that's just like like Tyrion and, and uh, complaining about we should be up there and blah, blah, blah. And, saying, and Sam's like, no, you're going to – you would be dead. It's like Sam, I'm surprised, didn't die. Uh, there's a couple times I thought he did was going to. Um, but like that dude was freaked out in the emotion he was showing. Oh my God. That'd be like, you know, people who have never been in war, which is most of us, probably 99.9% of us. There'd be, a, there'd be some of us on adrenaline and just fighting for our lives and go trying to go as much as you can. And there'd be ones that are just freaking out like hell no. I mean, you saw a lot of like extras running scared, yeah. like, especially when they were coming back. That's And that's what I love about this episode. It captured all that. It wasn't just, we're strong, we're in a fantasy world, we're going to destroy you. There were so many great human elements that were going around. Now, granted, it was dark. We're not going to talk about it anymore. You might not have seen all that stuff. It, it takes a second re- a third rewatch. But having said that, that all that stuff was there. Yeah. And it, it made it even more powerful in what they were trying to show. I, I, you, 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 I was just listening to you solo because that is, that's what, that's what I do, baby. Um, I have a little note that says, listen, let solo talk right in front of me. Um, (laughs) I actually do. I talk too much. I, I, I put little notes on my screen. Um, the, one of the things I talked about a lot in my rewatch was the trauma. And one of the things that people don't talk about um, on the Twitter, on the social media, when they're writing articles about Game of Thrones, because America and the world has a hard time dealing with mental health and dealing with being vulnerable. And that's understandable. We all have our struggles. 
Um, but the fact that they started with Sam's hand shaking uh, means something. And it was you, it was us, and war yeah. is war and battle, even a fight. Uh, I was talking to my wife about it. I was saying, this is really real, you know, realistic people just kind of going crazy and running away. Because you know, Solo, you've seen fights and you've probably been in a few fights. And mm -hmm. <laughs> when when a bunch of dudes or like two dudes decide they're going to like duel it out, it basically does like one punch, maybe two, and then you're wrestling on the ground like a bunch of two-year-olds. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of what happens. And people think they know how to fight and they don't. And then once in a while, there's a guy who's tr actually trained, uh, like my friend Steve, and I've seen him take people out. And uh, the fight lasts with him hit doing three moves and the other person submitting and crying and wondering why they ever thought this was a good idea. So yes. you can't like, it's not fun. You know, it's not cool. Um, when I see people hit each other or hurt, or I see, or people tweet out like a fight on Twitter, I always look right past it because I just see pain. I don't think it's cool. And this show is about how war and hurting people and physically assaulting people is not cool. And it leads to trauma and it leads to hurt people. And it should be only the last and final resort. And this was that, right? They were defending themselves and they were so scared. And you even look how it ends with John, our great hero, the king, the Targaryen, R plus L equals J, swinging around a sword like Don Quixote at a dragon <laughs> whose neck is cut off half and fire spewing out, spewing out of it. And it's, it was actually the greatest metaphor to me that the, the big hero guy is in there swinging at windmills while Arya's like, I'm getting the job done, Holmes. I'm not fighting these ancient, mythical, dumb, traditional battles. Like Tormund said, fuck tradition. I'm just getting the job done. And, um, and that's, was, that's what needed to crazy. be done, actually. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Because... Because the Night King was so obsessed with, um, you know, okay, with, with John and then raised the dead and then went on knowing he wanted to go save Bran and, and keeps him occupied. Night King goes, they, they weren't expecting a little ninja Arya. That's why it works so well. Because you're... Because you're expecting John to save the day. And even the Night King and then probably you're expecting that. Uh, the only one who was, wasn't expecting that was Arya and Bran. And... It, that's what made it work. And that sequence when John is going through Winterfell to, to get to the Wayward Tree, and like he even sees like so many people. I mean, the sequence was amazing. And he, but he was seeing like Sam almost die, and he hesitated a second, but knew he couldn't go save Sam. He had to yeah. go save Bran. And to have to make that choice to see one of your good buddies about to be killed and everyone else struggling, man. There a lot of emotions there. Dude, it <laughs> wasn't it, that amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And the cool thing about that shot too, and that whole sequence was the way we had discussed before how they were showing us Winterfell, you know, and letting mm -hmm. us know. And it was just awesome because basically he made the entire journey of the episode 
so quickly because all the defenses had been, they had been, you know what I mean? Like it was done. The battle was pretty much over. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. if what they would have lost and I, and I just, it was just funny and it was so perfect that all of this stuff, like you were talking about, like these armchair military experts, if they had sent the Dothraki in a swarthing pattern using their scythes, oh, that's not a scythe. That's a 19th century. They're like, okay, big deal, dude. Guess what? It does the same thing. It kills somebody. There, it didn't matter, all of that. It was insurmountable odds. It was completely insurmountable from the beginning. And it took... Arya, who had seen her dad die, who had been trained to kill, who had learned from every person, Tywin, the waif, um, uh, freaking Jacques and Hagar, uh, Brienne. Serial Pharrell. Serial Pharrell uses the same move that she used with Brienne in the battle when Arya, and we talked about it on the rewatch, where Arya took the crown as the greatest fighter in all of Westeros because Brienne had it before her and kills the Night King using the ninja skills that the Waif taught her. Did you notice the wind against oh, the yeah. White Walker's I know. hair? That, that is what I noticed right yeah. away. But that I didn't Arya. put two and two together. Yeah, no, that was definitely Arya. Yeah. And that was one of the great things that I'm glad wasn't dark. <laughs> Um, that was a great moment. Now, okay, so I got a few questions for you here with that with that scene. So, it okay. First of all, it looks like Bran and the Night King were telepathically speaking to each other. Mm. It to me, it felt like they were having a conversation, and he and the Night King tilts his head to his left, almost not. Maybe confused or like, wait, what did you just say? And then Arya jumps right out. So I, I'm wondering, I would love to know that conversation because there's definitely something going on there. Uh, that uh, Bran giving the dagger to Arya. So I, I, I'm assuming Bran kind of knew what was going to happen. Well, or at least had pieces. We talked about that too, remember? And I, you know, I don't want to give myself any credit, but I said, Arya's going to kill the Night King with that. Maybe it'll happen in front of this tree. We can go back into the tape. I think I oh, said something nice. like that. You, you said something too, though. So it was, we, whenever I, it's always both of us, dude, you're, you're yeah, yeah, working yeah. off yeah. each other, but it was, it was basically the reason I mentioned that is because they had laid the groundwork for it, you know? And yeah. when he does, hand, it was in episode four of season seven, he, Sansa, and Arya are at the tree, and he says, I have something for you. And he hands that, the Valerian steel dagger that was used to try to kill him, that basically started the War of the Five Kings, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because Tyrion is later taken into custody by Catelyn at the inn. And he just kind of stares at her. And it's that same weird stare that Melisandre gives Arya when she enters Winterfell in the beginning, when she goes past Davos, she stares oh, yeah. at Arya. And I think it's that people say, can they see the future? Can they do this? It's like we talked about. They can maybe see a possible future. The hmm. way things might go if certain elements or things fall into place. 
that this person could play that role. And um, it was just chilling. Now, to go back to the night, can I answer your question about the Night King and Bran? Yeah, please do. And then I got another Night King question for you after that. Taking a little break here, mid-ad break for cufflinks.com. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR. It's almost here. May the 4th. May the 4th be with you and save 40% off at cufflinks.com on officially licensed Star Wars products. These are amazing. Earlier, I had given away the Millennium Falcon cufflinks, which are incredible 3D Millennium Falcon cufflinks. You got to check these out. Use code May the 40th. May the 40th and you'll get 40% off. Wow. Oh man, they have Han and Leia cufflinks where they match. I love you. I know. Oh, come on. Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Go there today. Okay, Bran. So my wife actually, Solo, had a really great theory. As soon as we stopped watching the show, we talk about it, and she's and I said, "Let's go." I always say, "Let's record a quick podcast, honey." I'll take the phone out. No, I'm not being <laughs> on a podcast. She, she doesn't want to do it. Um, and uh, but she said, "I have one theory for you. You can share on the show." So this is my wife Perry's theory. She said, "I think when Bran was sitting there the whole time, when he said I have to go, and then he went into the crow, he stayed there and he was doing something." He And she suggested he was hiding away the memories that he held somewhere else or in something or someone else because he figured at that point that they were going to lose and he was going to die. Wow. And I said, that honey, that is great. And then you bring up this thing of him communicating with the Night King. And Mm -hmm. I do want to bring up that there was a tweet from uh, Vladimir who plays the Night King. Mm -hmm. And it's something I had already thought of. So I'm going to mention it. It's not a spoiler. The Night King touched Bran. He left his mark on him. What does that mean? This is a magical world. Does that mean that somehow the Night King isn't really fully dead or the or the energy or kind of that dark part of the Werewood network is now in brand two and maybe it's like a virus infecting it? And I just have to say, I know I'm th- go for the crazy theories. But we usually do it about an hour into the show. Um, <laughs> we might not get the Ice Queen solo. It was fun while it <laughs> no, lasted. I don't think so. Well, I think that's done. I think that's done. We admit we were wrong. That was fun, though. And thank you, Brett, for all the great ideas. And we're still working on another one that maybe Cersei might become the Ice Queen. Kyburn puts obsidian in her to save her when she dies. Something crazy. But um, with Bran. I don't think that the magic is over. I don't think that simply killing um, the Night King alleviates or solves all of our problems. That's, oh, that, that is a theme in fantasy, and it's a, uh, it's a theme in this show, right? That there's, oh, it's not that act. It's what happens after. 
It's the fallout. So I think you're onto something there. I don't know if they were communicating. I don't know if there was something else kind of going on. Um, Because remember when the Night King came and approached the other three-eyed raven, the original one that we saw, they seemed to have a communication between them. And I, if I remember correctly, the Three-Eyed Raven spoke to the Night King or something and said something. Oh, you finally found me or something like before he killed him. So it seems as though there's a connection there. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, I got him, Bran being marked that it was like a, a homing device. So the Night King always knew where he was. Like he, he said, said that, but it could be more. Yeah, it could, it could be. It could, no, it could be. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 So, okay, and I got one more question for you on this. Why Why doesn't the Night King, I know he wants to go kill Bran and, and get it done, uh, Three-Eyed Raven, but why doesn't the Night King fight John? Why does he raise the dead and leave him? Was he afraid that he that John could beat him? Uh, what what do you think, Axel Foley from House Folo? I think that the Night King is an arrogant troll who was looking at John and who raised the dead around John because he knows John is the true king of Westeros, and he wants to belittle him. That's all uh-huh. I think it's about. I think that the Night King is was a man who was turned into a beast and he wants to inflict his pain. It's a metaphor for people. What happens when this whole thing is about trauma? It's all about what how people react to what other people do to them. Good people react by being empathetic and working through trauma and pain. People who are not as fortunate, decide to inflict that pain on others around them. And that is what the Night King was doing with John. His sigil was a copy of the children, just like people when they're trying to be uh, rebels, they turn the American flag upside down or they take a symbol and invert it. And I think in the end, it was just that John was a symbol of power and the Night King wanted to humiliate him. Oh, there you go. I like it. Speaking of liking things and not liking things. So Theon, I thought it was very cool with the arrows and the flame slinging. That was such a cool effect. Um, I love when this is one of the first things where they ran out of arrows. I loved it. I'm like, <laughs> finally, it's not endless freaking Lord of the Rings arrows, you know. Uh, now, I, Theon, stupid death, but good death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he needed to charge the Night King, but I guess he needed to do that. He knew he was going to die. Um, I, I, I am... I was a little emotional the second time around when I actually could see the tear on Theon's face when Bran's like, you're a good man. Yeah. And it was like, that's all I wanted to hear. I mean, I've been chasing my father's respect and love for years. I was a Stark sort of, but wasn't by blood. Uh, and Bran's like, you're home. And that's, 
the things Theon needed to hear, just especially coming from Bran with all the awful things he did. So when he first died, I was like, okay, whatever, it's Theon. Um, you know, but then I'm thinking, God, all that torture he went through, mm-hmm. stuff with his dad, making stupid choices because he thought it was the right thing to do for his house. And so it all came full circle, and I was like, man, what what a good run for Theon. But I, I, I did pour one out for him. Miss you, buddy. Yeah, man. I um, It's hard. Like, you know, Theon went down so quick. So, you know, we talk about that we're going to go through this list here of people, and you don't really have time to mourn. And they've even said it in the show, I barely have time to mourn, right? Like, they do that to you, the audience, as well. It happens so mm-hmm. fast. And the Theon thing was... He was all about, you know, when we met him, he was this cocksure, arrogant jerk. And he became a sympathetic figure. And due to the amazing acting of Alfie Allen, I think saved some pretty poor choices for storylines that I particularly, I see why they did them, but I particularly didn't enjoy watching them or even on rewatch, see a huge value in them. But they were valuable because of his acting. And uh, it was really, it, he, he, you're, that was what he was all about. Kind of regain, it was him and Jorah really regaining their honor. Um, mm-hmm. And it shows you that in this world, again, these traditional ideas of what honor is and your family is really meaningless. What really means is the important things that happen in between individual people and the real events that occur. And for Theon to basically accept a suicide mission um was pretty brave of him and i think it kind of makes his arc throughout the show really really uh valuable and i and i i felt sad and he even gave he acted the hell out of dying too yeah yeah it was, it was really good and i and, love that i love that i'm sorry real quick the pov shot or it was semi pov shot of him looking up at the night king and him the night king looking down oh it was awesome Again, so arrogant. The night, that's what I, I it kind of hit me that I had been along that line of humanizing the Night King. Remember I was, remember when we saw that and I came back at that episode and I was like, I feel bad for this guy. Like he was, you know, he didn't want that obsidian shoved in him. Then I saw, but you know what, man, he chose, it's just like Star Wars. He chose the dark side and Matt had a good point. And if you aren't listening to Matt's Game of Thrones audio blog, please do, which is to be further empathetic and say, well, perhaps part of it was that Obsidian and all that was turning him evil. Like, it's not just that he turned into the Night King, but it was dark energy. It was part of what he was made to do, to be dark, to be the ultimate troll, to be arrogant and selfish and want to take over and destroy and i thought that's a good way of thinking about it and poor theon to see that um that those two theon full of trying so hard and innocence a childlike innocence and the terrible night king that was kind of a beautiful agony there you know what i mean yeah man oh theon A.K.A. Reek. Yeah, Reek. Yep. Poor guy. Yep. 
you know, it was the first time too, you know, that Danny did a Dracarys and then the theme came on, or I don't want to say theme because I could be wrong, but I believe pretty sure it's a theme. It's happened more than a few times, but the whole up, the up tempo music. And it was like, Oh, she's going to, and I'm like, no. And then it changes. And then you see him do that smirk, that arrogant smirk. I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> oh, you mean when she shoots the fire at the night King? Yeah. And it, yeah. The Dracarys doesn't work. The fire doesn't work. Yep. It doesn't, that answers some of our questions because remember we had talked about that like maybe the fire won't touch the dragon will have no effect on him and it didn't no. you know that it was just it was so great because there were so many points in this episode where they were just utterly defeated like they just could they're they're smashing into each other on dragons Danny doesn't light the um trenches John goes chasing after the night king. And gets taken away and doesn't really protect Brand. Nobody did their job. You know what I mean? Like everything yeah. went the worst case scenario. I know a lot. That's what some people are saying. Like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? Well, how about this? You just have to accept it. They suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, and they missed of in the midst of battle. There, I mean, they're not. I mean, you could see Jamie. Barking out some orders, he's bringing stuff from the past. John, you know, remember in Battle of the Bastards, he charged, he tried yeah. to save Rickon, and went against. I mean, these people aren't generals per se. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, yeah, dude, it's they. Yeah, it might be wants good. Their hero, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Danny has gone to one place, and the dragons killed with fire and stuff. Yeah. This is a whole different. You had the suffocating snow. You had, of course, something you've never fought before, and and, and so like things happen. You adjust based on what the hell's going on. And like you said before, you're human. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, the only thing that that went according to plan was, you know, Theon staying there with his men, protecting yeah. Bran, and people chilled in the crypts. You know, and they didn't leave and they didn't answer the door when they heard screaming. That was effective. It was like, let me in, let me in. And they're like, oh, Uh, not today. Not today. It's funny. The show really challenges people. And the way it challenges people is that so many are happy that it subverts expectations. And then when it does, they, you know, they have to take a second because their expectations have been subverted and John doesn't get to be the hero and Danny kills some white walkers, but in the end is virtually ineffective. You know, it doesn't, it didn't really make that much of a difference. Um, and really, you know, Brienne and Jamie fought valiantly. Um, gray worm let all his men die in front of him, but he had to do it. You know, that was kind of the unsullied or there to be sacrificed. So in a yeah. sense, it just kind of shows you really again and again and again, this show is teaching us the lesson of the futility of war and the futility of just massacring other human beings and how military might is meaningless. And it's been shown in the real world time and time again, huge armies have been defeated by smaller uh, more dedicated people who know the terrain or know what's going on. And in this case, that is what happened. The White Walkers were an unstoppable force. 
and Arya defeated them. Because of why? Because she had a plan. She stuck to it. Melisandre told her, woman to woman, get the freaking job done. These big, these big strong men are out mythologizing themselves. Can we just do the work? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny with Melisandre. I, I thought it was a great arc for her this episode. Uh, the lot She did a lot. A lot happened. It was the perfect way for her to go. Um, I did yeah. see Carice's name because I know Carice personally, so I could call her Carice. Uh, I saw her name in the credits, so I, but I'm glad she showed up right away. I was afraid she'd show up with, you know, Stoneman at the end or something, uh, you know. I, know. I kind of wanted, but I thought it wasn't it so cool the way she was one lone person on a horse, you know, when they were all the tension. And then she cut, man, I don't, I have not given her as an actress and this role enough credit because it's so shrouded in mystery. Um, but what a performance over eight seasons that she has oh, put yeah. forth. Sexy, dark, intelligent, brooding, mysterious, like just really uh, also uh, the emotions she showed even in the short conversation with Davos and the conversation previously with Davos, she knows what she did in killing a child and burning them alive. This is a person who's dedicated to saving all of humanity. She didn't want to do that, you know? And I have a, I have a quick theory that may not be so meaningful in the end, but that I'd like to share with you about Melisandre Solo. Okay, and before you hit that... Um... Cufflinks is sponsoring my the next thing I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I love that she uh, lit the biggest light slash fire the North has ever seen. We finally got the fire. Oh <laughs> the my trenches god! You're right, a, dude. You're right. I know because wasn't that wasn't that such a letdown when Mance was like the biggest fire and it was like what that was, looks like like a a bonfire at a high school. Yeah. So props <laughs> to Melisandre. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. For all the myth heads out there, I kind of thought about something. Maybe the whole time, and I, and I had been looking for this too, we have always the Starks and the Lannisters. Who is really the anti to the, uh, the oppositional to the Night King? And many people say, oh, it's John Stark. He's the true king. I don't know if I ever bought that. Oh, Azor Ahai. I don't know if I bought that. I think in the end, it's Melisandre. I think Melisandre was the Lord of Light. And she oh. had that power. She was an ancient being, um, so hundreds of years old, had seen so much, had been around for so long. And I feel like that is, maybe she, not that she is the Lord of Light, but it's almost in a sense, in a religious, quasi-religious sense, where she is like, you know, the mother, the Lord of light, the spirit of light, like she is basically the chosen one. And she was sent there because if you look at her actions and the th people she protected and the things she said throughout the series, look what happened. The Night King was defeated, you know, and she at the end, she takes off the necklace and she lets succumbs to old age in the snow. And I think that Melisandre belongs at a much higher level 
than we've kind of given her before. And this episode really showed how important a character she was. Yeah. And, you know, she's made some mistakes. Um, but maybe, you know, I guess we have, you know, that's the only, the only thing, like even when she was reciting her uh, lines there to light, it took a little while, but for her to be able to do that, but for her to be able to do that, you got to have some sort of kick-ass power. Because um, would, would Barrick been able to do that? I don't know. I probably not. I I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, you know the whole back in Stannis, back in John thing, and um, I mean the whole thing with Shireen. That you know, I guess it worked because the, the snow went away and whatnot. But at the same time, I was like, really? Did you have to do that? So she had some flaws, but I think. Yeah. She was more important than people sometimes give her credit for. She uh, was, yeah. And, and I mean, and, I mean, she was a big component of this battle, lighting the trench. Uh, well, lighting the Dothraki, but that didn't quite work. But it set everything in motion. Okay, uh, given Arya the, you know, recalling the shutting the brown, green, and the blue eyes, and getting Arya on track. I mean. If that's not key to this battle, I don't know what is. Yep. You know, so um, yeah, Melisandre. I love. I loved the character Melisandre. I and I love the actress and um, amazing, truly amazing. Now, my boy Jorah, he died defending Danny, and what a great moment at the end. He's trying to tell her like I love you or something, and he just can't get it out, and he passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one hit me. I, you know, I was prepared for it, so I wasn't crying. I but I really like Ian Glenn, and I loved the Jorah character. Jorah character was very flawed, very uh, you know everyone calls him friend zone. Uh, yeah, he was in love. Even Tyrion uh, at, in the Hard Home episode, I believe it's the Hard Home episode, um, where you know he he's got Jorah and Danny wants him out of out of her face. Yeah, it and is. He's like, well. He, yeah, and he's like, "Well, he loves you. Um, he's in love. I think he's in love with you." And you know, I forgot that was said out loud, but he really loved. I think he loved Danny in different levels as well. That was his queen. He loved what she stood for. It, it changed his life pretty much. Got him on a, a better track, even though uh, he got banished and then got grayscale. But it led him there to protect her as best as he could. And uh, I thought he went out the way he should have went out. Uh, not everyone dies with uh, achieving everything they, they should. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and this was a good death. And uh, I'm glad he went out that way and not just getting stabbed in, in, in the melee of the craziness. It was, he died fulfilling his purpose. So... Good yep. on you, Jorah. Well, you'll be missed. Yep. He earned back his um, honor by staying true to himself. And that's what the show teaches too, right? Honor isn't being true to your family, your your sigil, your, you know, some some oath. It's really being uh, uh, being true to yourself and those you love. And he was true to that. He loved Danny. She loved him too, but I don't think she could ever kind of get there with him. You know what I mean? Um, right. e- even though, my God, he's strikingly handsome, isn't he? 
when he's a handsome man. When Melisandre comes up and says, "Do you know their native tongue?" and he just looks at her and just nods a little bit like that, like he's like, "Who? What is going on?" I just here? did. I, I just did it right here. I know. So did I. I just did the nod. I just man, did the nod. What a hand! I was like, "Gosh, man!" As I get older, I want to. I want to kind of age into him, man. Um, <laughs> hey, I, you should watch uh, Jack Taylor on Netflix. He's oh, okay. In that. Okay, Great cool. show. He's like a former uh, Scotland Yard, uh, I guess, pol- police, whatever they call it. I forget offhand. The Royal Guard, I think it's called. And he's now a, a drunk private investigator. It's freaking great show. Nice. Great show. Wow. I've never heard of an English show where there's like a, a cop that's also a drunk. That's it's a new concept. <laughs> Well, it's I'll Irish. Check, I check that. Oh, still. he's Irish. Oh, God. Oh, I haven't I heard that. That's even worse. I don't know anything about that, Foley. Uh, I, yeah, he's great. And I agree with you. Everything you said, um, I can't even put it in better terms. He, it, I like, I enjoyed it in the sense that it was fulfilling to me because I, even though I make fun of Jorah and he wasn't ever my favorite character because of the Khaleesi, um, <laughs> I, I I grew to respect the character and what he had been through. And I think that they kind of did him right. And it was appropriate in my eyes that he would die defending Danny. Now let's talk about mm-hmm. one person that died and you have a reference in your notes to King Kong, uh, Lady Mormont. <laughs> oh, little Lady yeah. Mormont gets crushed. Oh. But she took the, a oh. giant out, man, with it right to the eye. <laughs> Yeah, it's how we we thought the original King Kong would go, but <laughs> oh my god! I mean, she just got crushed. But it it was so so. But then she's like ah, and stabs him in the eye. I was like, I was so that that's the point of the episode that I was like totally back in, and I'm like, oh my god! And then I was just like, it was, I got my second wind. Yeah, poor little poor thing. Uh but she she was a great character definitely i mean it was it was we only got a little of her no pun intended but um i know she's not in the books i guess there's not much of her in there just like a letter she writes to stannis or something saying she'll only back a stark as yeah. the king yep. um but but it could be your typical wow she's awesome let's use her more type of deal um but she, it was, what a i mean i'm going to say a great moment it was sad but I'm glad she killed the giant, and she, she, you know, she's still a tough little, 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 uh, little Mormont, right? Yeah, yeah, man. man. And, and I liked her little scene with Jorah too, where she's like, uh, "What does she say again?" The, their thing that they say, "Good, good battle to you, my cousin." You know, yeah, and, they, and she's, yeah. and then she walks away with her men, and she's so confident that she walks, and they wait, and they look at her, and then they walk. Um, I love, she's such a great actress, man. They really, I don't have any problem with that at all. She was a fan favorite. People enjoyed her. Um, I think that the times that they used the character, she represented something new, some, the youth movement that this show is all about, the breaking Mm -hmm. of tradition that this show is all about. And they picked a great actress. So let her have at it. And I thought the scene they didn't I like the way they didn't treat her death any differently than they treated anyone else's death, even though it was a little girl. 
you know, because yeah. it stayed yeah. true to how she, they had represented the character herself viewing herself. Um, yeah, she was out there yeah. yelling, come on in, retreat. Yep. And then she's barking orders. And, I mean, she's she. But unfortunately, you know, <laughs> a giant. <laughs> happened I think to that was one one. Was that them. one one? I, you know, I, I'm a dope, but I. Probably. I think it was because one one died yeah. by a, an arrow to the eye from Ramsey. And then I think that maybe is it, right. Yes. Maybe it was just a mirror of that in the courtyard, but I don't know. But anyway, pour one out, Lady Mormont, Jorah, Theon. Who else did we lose? We lost the Night oh. King, Melisandra. Ed, Ed, Ed <laughs> saving Sam. Ed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really have a lot invested in Ed. Early on, I did at the Night's Watch and when they were all the band of brothers. Yeah. But we, you know, but, you know, Ed, 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 Ed delivered some great lines and he did uh, served his purpose. So, yeah, still miss Ed. You know, yeah. I don't like to see Ed go, but it had to. And then uh, so in the death pool, <laughs> I don't know if Ed was in the death pool um, choices, but my first choice, the first one to go in the death pool list was Barrack. So if Ed wasn't, he was the first to go. But if uh, I got that right, got bonus points for that. If Barrick, uh, w- if Ed wasn't in the list, I can't remember. Oh well, but- the, well, listen. If you want to find out, I'm not going to give anything away. You can go to YouTube, and if you go to one hour and twelve and two minutes, I believe Marcus from oh, Guest of Throne is on our uh, on our roundtable with DJ Tim Hines, and he goes over how they decided the scoring, how many people chose different people. So go to YouTube now and check it out. Cool. But when he goes over who killed who, like, I, it won't be us, right? It'll be the whole... <laughs> Remember yes. I screwed that up with the Oscars? Yes. Yeah, it will. Yeah. <laughs> it won't just be us. It'll be oh, I thought you were talking about me. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay, cool. I I, yeah. I will. Okay. I know you do. Um, I was just asking myself if I remembered. Um, I know. Yeah. The, but, but Barrick, I, I mean, and the, um, you know, it's funny because the connection too with Arya and Barrick when yeah. Arya was yep. with the, the brothers without banners and just, and she really had some emotion for him and he just, he saves her with throwing his sword and just, I mean, and then his arms are up. Um, like and, Hodor. and he's getting stabbed. Yeah, like it just, or like Jesus Cristo. Um, and he, he just, he was getting stabbed and, oh my God, just what a, what a scene. It was just, oh man, God. I like that dude. I like Barrick, man. I, I, I gotta, I gotta watch some stuff that actor's in because I, I just, that's another one. I tend to like old men in this show. Well, there's mm-hmm. a lot of them. There's a lot of old white yeah. guys. Up oh, maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, I like I like old white dude. Like I don't like. I don't, yeah, I like old. Hey, dudes. I'm an old white like, dude. Yeah, actually, um, like old black dudes too. I like old people. <laughs> I just do. I just they crack me up and they. I don't know. So I like them. We we just like old dudes or women. We old like dudes. everybody. <laughs> two dopes. Then we'll be two old dudes on the privy. Don't you know? Uh, but, don't you know? But. Yeah, but Barrick. Um, but that was how ironic, though, <laughs> if ironic is the word. We get the scene, the episode before of Arya talking to the Hound and Barrick, and the three of them are together mm-hmm. in the library. So the t- you know two old shits. I just wanted to, yeah, I wanted to say that one of the fascinating things is that if you watch, I mean, 
really this whole episode is a showcase for Arya. So anyone who was saying that it came like, I mean, it did surprise us. But upon rewatch, you see that this episode could have been called Arya's Long Night. Because every (laughs) time you see her, she's using something she learned. Some stuff from Tywin, from Ned, the way she's thinking, the way she battles with the Waif and Jockin or Brienne or the Hound. And the sequence of the library through the hallways back to the same room that they had the fire conversation at where Mm -hmm. she meets Melisandre. Remember, that's the same room that they were all sitting there talking in last episode. Right. And then we go, and then we don't see her for a while, but that sequence was such like a fun house of horrors. And the way Beric was just dying the whole way, you know, like just a, like the death of a thousand cuts. He just kept on getting hit. It was, oh man, that was so intense. It was shot beautifully. It was so claustrophobic. Uh, and, And also it showed something that we had talked about. The last episode is kind of Arya actually having to face her own mortality. And like the Hound, Sam, what are they gonna do? That was, I think, the first time really that she, since running from the waif, that she really thought she was going to die, you know? And it shows how strong she is and how great that training was and how she accepted it and learned from it and became, I mean, Arya is Batman. She's Batman. She watched her parent die. She trained in a far off land with a mysterious assassin cult, comes back, in the night to save the day. She is Batman. And that's why I bought it all. And I loved in the rewatch every time she came on the screen, I got chills and I was like, I'm watching the hero. This is incredible. I just, Oh man, sorry. I don't mean to digress from Barrick, but I'm just like, I'm just so on a high watching. No, that's, yeah, no, that's a great point. And I love when she's doing the Oberyn kind of like spearing all the whites. Mm. And then Davos is there for his reaction. Always. He's like, I know. He's like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, he's like, I need her protecting me. Yeah. Um, And, and then, the, you know, the musical score was great uh, in that last sequence. Uh, very light of the seven. Uh, the score is called The Night King. I already downloaded it <laughs> from iTunes. Awesome. Um, just it really was effective, and it's just a lot of emotion. Beautiful. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of emotion, Sansa and Tyrion, um, Sansa. Sansa. Uh, man, Tyrion, of course, was, uh, you know, I love, <laughs> you, you were the best of them, <laughs> the husbands. <laughs> and then he's like... I forget what he said, but he's like, oh, great, you know? Yeah. Thanks. Not much of a group um, there. Yeah. But uh, but they really had – I thought they were going to die at that point. Mm-hmm. And, but they had a very – when they're, like, hiding together and the look from Peter Dinklage, uh, just really the two of them just uh, – uh, it, it was God. just so powerful. And I'm like, come on. I hope they're together. You know, Sansa deserves a good man, and so does Tyrion needs a good woman. And I, I just, it would be nice if they, 
Oh, what about uh, Masande? It's like, well, the Dragon Queen wouldn't let us. With yeah. Oh, duel. my God. That's it's great. Like, That's funny, dude. Yeah. That's funny because I liked that. At first, I, I was taken aback and I thought maybe Masande was like kind of joking, like it was gallows humor or something, you know? Um, but then I remembered that Masande doesn't know how to tell a joke as illustrated by her her little uh, round table with Tyrion and uh, Grey Worm. And um, it's funny that that happened because it goes to show that, hey, look, man, this battle is over, but all that shit's going to come back up. They didn't even talk about John being the king. They didn't even t- like yeah. all that stuff has to come back up. And even in the heat of it, uh, Masande was making that statement. And I do just have to reiterate what you said about that Sansa and Tyrion moment and Peter Dinklage is doing something this season. There is something deeply troubling Tyrion. He is just not right. And yeah. it it came out in the full extent there. It wasn't just that they were, you know, at a death-defying moment, but you could just see it in his eyes that he's tired, he's worn down. And mm-hmm. Sansa was so strong. And um, Justin of the Justin Thomas Top Shelf uh, fandom, subscribe on YouTube. He's incredible. I'm going to be on his on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be on a YouTube roundtable with In Deep Geek, Justin, Johnny B. Crazy, and I. And there's a, a one or two other people. It's going to be so fun. But Justin, oh, cool. Justin said to me, he said, "Think about it, Axel." The two most powerful people in Westeros right now are Cersei and Sansa. Because nobody wants to accept Danny, and once they find out John's a Targaryen, they ain't going to want him either. So really, it's Sansa versus Cersei. And I didn't even think about that because I'm so thinking about all how dark the battle was. I'm trying to still figure it out in my mind. But that was a great point, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, great point, Justin. And she That's... showed it down there. She was strong. She kept yeah. it together. And it's been an ongoing build to that. Yeah. She's been showing it and she's yeah, that that the fluidity of that is come full circle. Yeah. I like to, oh, tonight full circle is my uh most used full uh, phrase. Spin the black circle. Oh, shout out Ken. Yeah. Whenever we mention Sansa, we have to mention Ken. Oh, Ken. Yes. Ken. Ken will be returning to the podcast too. And a shout out to Donald, just because I want to give yeah. him one. Shout but, out to uh, Big D. I wish he would podcast, man. I know. I, I miss Donald. Donald. I miss Donald. Damn it, Donald. Podcast. Come on, buddy. Do a Game of Thrones mythos reenactment. You know what? I'll that say it on hilarious. the podcast. Donald, you can even call if you're going through the Burger King drive-thru, okay? I'll put it That's on That's okay. Air. Yes. One of the best lost moments ever. Uh, yeah, I got a large fry. Uh, medium. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, what, Donald? Oh, I'm going through what? the drive-thru. Live on podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. He is uh, the best, man. I love Donald. I love that. Okay. Oh, Donald. All right. Um, so I'm yeah, what else I'm really excited, Axel. Yeah. Like, I, I'm glad the, the this battle with the Night King did end this episode. I'm glad it, they didn't retreat at the end and it went on. I'm actually glad. And I'm really looking forward to King's Landing stuff now. It's like we're going back to our roots, baby. Yep. But I really, I, I'm glad. I mean, in a good way, of course. That's what glad means, I guess. But I'm happy that now the last three episodes we focus on 
you know, everything that we built, I mean, we built towards a lot of things, but now it's like Cersei, Euron, the mountain, like the survivors, who knows how many troops we have left. I'm really looking forward to it. And now most of our troops go, our troops, the North troops go, excuse me, got wiped out. Do you, do you feel, cause they're going to be outnumbered. Unless they say, you know, 15,000 troops survived or something. I don't know. Now, now has Cersei, like Dorne and Essos, could they get, could Dario bring over some people? I mean, what do you think is going to happen there to kind of replenish these troops? You know what? It's, um, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you see on the social and, of course, um, being in the History of Westeros Facebook group is helpful to me because... People know so much, they're so knowledgeable and remember, hey, what about that army and the veil? And, oh, wait, the veil would have been there because we saw this guy there or something. I'm not sure. I don't know what the aftermath yeah. is going to be. I think Cersei was following Littlefinger's plan that he had for Stannis and the Boltons, which is let them both fight it out and then mop up the winner because they'll be depleted after a huge battle. I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Company marches on Winterfell within the first 10 minutes of the next episode. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit of a time jump where things settle down. Maybe John and Danny go back to Dragonstone. Maybe we get more of a kind of um, like light truce because Cersei's doing her thing and they're not bothering her. Um I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Maybe we fly over and see what happened in the Iron Islands with um, with Osha, joking, and uh, <laughs> and and Urin. Um, but who's left? I don't think there's many people left. I want to say for the battle, I think it was so cool the way the Night King didn't raise anyone until the battle was almost over, right? And then you realized. Because for me, I you never know if he's like, if they're like constantly raising people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just not seeing it. But the fact that they weren't and now they were doing it and then you were like, oh, this is over. Sorry, this is over. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh, I want to also just shout out quickly that I thought it was so awesome the way Danny spent eight seasons trying to figure out how to bring Dothraki and Unsullied and they're massacred in an hour. Um, everybody told her going back to sell me that armies didn't matter and personal relationships in Westeros mattered. And now she's going to actually have to do that. She doesn't have a choice. Um, so, and she might not even have two dragons because Rhaegar dragon is really John's dragon now. Uh, if we go on kind of like the mythology, the show hasn't really said that, but you know, it's kind of like he's. He's bonded to John. So I think that's awesome. But what's going to happen next? What army is going to come in? Um, who's actually left? I think we're supposed to be confused, Solo. Well, yeah, after what we just yeah. went through, yeah. we should be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's what makes this exciting to watch the next episode because we have uh, these questions. You I, know, and I, just like, ugh. I love it that they did this. I love in the it, when I was doing the rewatch and I did a show the shows with Justin and we a lot of us had talked and Justin had brought it up too about 
you and I had two of them. Maybe they'll dispense of either Cersei or the Night King early. Um, and I'm glad it was the Night King, actually, when I think about it, because we learn from Lost. It's all about the characters and it's all about the emotion. And there's a lot more that we have invested in Cersei than we do the Night King. Yeah. He, he's an elemental force and he's also a relic of the past. He is more a part of the Baratheons, the Starks, the Lannisters, the old ways, right? The kings, than are our heroes who are trying to usher in a new dawn in Westeros, a new spring of enlightenment, of uh, freedom, perhaps democracy. But I love what you said about Essos and Dario. We haven't, it just seemed a little weird to me that you had Kenvara, the other red priestess, that you had Melisandre, and nobody came to help them when they were finally, only Melisandre, when they were finally doing the battle to end all battles. So, like, maybe now they'll come and help? Maybe, like, some other people will say, hey, we don't want, maybe the Bank of Bravos might even turn on Cersei or... Maybe, I don't know. I just feel like we didn't get that savior at the end, like the veil coming in for the Battle of the Bastards. So maybe we're going to get that now. And and because we do have to kind of bring in the rest of the world, right? Dude, we spent so mm-hmm. much time over there with Danny. Yeah, I mean, so I'm wondering how Essos is going to play into this. Um you know, we know yourself that that's uh, hopefully that'll uh, make sense coming yeah. soon. We'll see, man. We'll see. Do you have uh what do you got? You got anything else? We co- I think we covered oh, a lot. I think we covered a lot. Um, we covered technical issues, um, upset people, uh, <laughs> two dopes and their theory in their theories and observations. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think we did this justice. Uh, Pretty much. Um, oh, oh, one thing. It, it's just uh, too bad Gendry didn't see Melisandre. <laughs> yeah, that's Like, right, you put yeah. leeches on me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he could have been like, I still have a mark on my P.E.K.K.A. <laughs> and Arya will be in the background being like, it's true. It's true. I saw it. That was somebody oh, put yeah, on man. Twitter a good thing. He said, Arya is the, is the mega boss. She got laid and killed the Night King in twelve hours' time. And and will she kill Cersei? I don't. I still think Jamie. I don't know if they're going to give that. Yeah, to her too. you know, there's a lot of people saying red eyes, green eyes, blue eyes, or whatever eyes that Cersei has green eyes, which she does. Um, but so did Littlefinger. Someone else said. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I have a I have a, a scenario. It's not a theory, but it's a scenario that I kind of wrote in my head. Yo, yo, what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. Here we go, so what's yo. the what's the what's the oh, scenario? What's, what's the scenario? DJ Timmy Hines on the back. Oh, Axe knows this, and Axe knows that. But does Axe knows the theory? I don't know about that. I just made it up. Okay, I'm not a rapper. Um, what if You're... we have a Battle at King's Landing. Um, our heroes are 
spread about some traps, trying to get to Cersei. And we get a scene with either Tyrion or Jaime. They kill Cersei, okay? Maybe even they are wounded or, you know, they have to get past the mountain or Kyburn or something. They kill Cersei in the heat of battle. As they walk away, they take off their mask. It's Arya. A lot of people have said, you know, Arya's going to kill him. But what I'm saying is that we would not have known that either Jaime, and I say Jaime or Tyrion, not just for the book prophecy of the Valonqar, which is not, by the way, included in the show, but people say who are most likely to kill her. It's probably one of them. But imagine if we get that double gut punch solo that we didn't know they were dead. And, yeah, that would be. And the episode up. ends, and people are like, holy crap. Wait, Jamie's dead? How did she get his face? And then it's like a kind of like a, like a lost, lost love to pull those type of moments, right? Where something crazy happens, but then it's really like the secondary thing that you're like, oh my God, this is really crazy. You know, like yeah. the donkey wheel. So I don't know. I don't know. I would look at, at this point. I'm so high on Arya. She's my superhero. I would be fine if she killed Cersei, whatever they do. I'm, I'm loving this last episode, but I also think, I feel like nobody's going to kill Cersei. You know, she's either going to win or she's going to kill herself or die by her yeah. own hand accidentally. I still think she might blow up all of King's Landing with wildfire. Oh, and where, where's our boy Braun at? I thought he'd show up. I thought he'd show up to Winterfell, dude. But he, he'll be traveling, and then he'll be like, "Yeah, it's too cold up there for you me." You know what, dude? If this was like a Marvel um, movie, uh, which this was actually no slight on Avengers and all that, but this battle was better than anything I've seen on film in ten years. Um, Imagine if there's like a short film or an end credit scene that's just Braun looking over like a mountain and he's seeing the battle and he's like, oh, I'm not going there, man. And he just like goes back, <laughs> like starts drinking out of fire, you know, and like he, he bundles himself up and you just hear all the battle and then a dragon goes by him and he's like, geez, my God. You know, but he's actually like on the mountain naked in his gold. <laughs> right. Bathing in his gold. Like uh, the uh, Cialis commercials, the tub on the mountains. Stupid things. All right, buddy. Let's wrap it up. All right. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Great episode. I'm glad we got stuff off our chest. It was good to wrap with you. Yeah. uh, As always. And, uh, man, only three episodes left. Uh, We're halfway point of the season. Uh, Well, three episodes left, but it's, you know, screen time. It's going to be much more than that. Yep, three, uh, but three yeah, episodes, I'm stoked. Minutes. I'm stoked, baby. I am super excited, man. You know, we always have crazy theories, but we don't attach the, ourselves to them because it's fun and we talk, we get to talk to each other. But it's just you and I have this same attitude. Whenever we're surprised, it's just exciting and we can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah, and if... You know, and I don't downplay a show if we do, like with the Crips thing happening, people yeah. are like, oh, we predicted that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that was tough. It's like, so, okay, you predicted it. Yeah, that, wow, that was great. Good for you. 
Um, it's still good, still cool. Um, and, and yeah. And I, you know, I thought John would raise some people and do this big magical thing. And I was totally wrong about that. But you know what? I'm glad I was wrong because, uh, you know, they did. I cooler. liked what happened. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, awesome. They did a much, yeah, way cooler. And, and you know what? If somebody wants to take credit for, I always do it. If someone says, Hey, I did something, I'll retweet them. So, Cause I say, Hey, have your fun and have your day. We all are doing this to like, share the experience and have fun. And it is kind of fun when you, when you get something right. You know what I mean? It's kind of fun. You think, Oh, cool. Cause it makes you think, Hey, I'm kind of in touch with this show. I, I understand yeah. what's going on. You know, it makes you closer. Yeah. It's like when you predict what your friend's going to do, Oh, they're a moron. They're never going to break up with her. And then they don't. And you're like, I was right. My friend's a moron. It makes you feel good. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. And the thing is, t- <laughs> Well, I'm a more, but no, the, um, I'm a dope, I'm a dope, like a pound or a key. Uh, but like, and one of the reasons why I really frustrate me and listen to some podcasts this week is because I really wanted to hear their excitement and off the high of the episode. I'm like, and then when everything's so negative, it just like, uh, brings me down, you know, that's why I get upset. Cause I, you know, I want, I like with you, I want everyone to enjoy it and, yeah. It's just like, you know, when people are hating on loss at the end, I'm like, ah, I mean, there's good reasons, trust, I, I know, but it's just like, ah, I want to enjoy it and, and and listen to podcasts that are talk about the good things. and But, you know, people have their opinions and yeah, that's, what are you going to do? Yeah. And you then know? you have, to, and then you know what? I can also understand it because like what Donald always says and why, why I never, like Donald can be very negative. But he always says it's because I hold the show to a really high standard because I love it. I really do love this show and I want it to be the greatest thing ever. And maybe I get my hopes up too much. So yeah, in that, in that, that case, that, yeah. yeah, I'm empathetic to but, them. I'll let you say goodbye now, Solo. From the Tower of Winterfell and all across the north, castles, vacancy, have fun. We'll see you in King's Landing. Bye bye. <laughs> what the fuck? The North remembers. Peace the out, North everybody. The North remembers.